Power from the Blazing Stone. Part Two, Nightmares. The eastern sky grew wonderful with dawn. As the day became brighter, a soft grey mist rose from the ground and made the moors look like a dream landscape. But young Merrin had been caught up in nightmares. She awoke inside her mining unit, which rocked gently on its colossal ring, humming a soothing melody. They had slept in the centre of a Neolithic stone circle bearing nineteen proud granite faces, now softened by the morning mist. Off in the distance the piercing clang of heavy drilling could be heard as the young earthborns sought their quota of lithium. Merin peered from her unit, and the numbers in the sky glowed through the haze. Nessa, zero. Arluth, one. Sally zero, Zenner zero, Sam zero, Gweno zero, Alistair zero, Merrin zero. Corin's timer, displayed at Merrin's request, now read 1646.30. Wakey, wakey! Can I begin drinning now, lass? Sooner the better. Don't want to let your dreams slip away, chimed Corin, sensing a surge of panic in the girl. I had a nightmare. Merrin arched her back and brushed away the slumber. Raindrops tapped at the unit's shell and slid down the smooth, shiny surface. Half yawning, Merrin said, Corin, didn't you remember what the tin did when we mined it? Goodness, lass, be more precise with your questioning, replied the robot. In the last level, tin level, you know the bar of tin when you bent it? Merrin lay belly down in her bedding, chin buried in the palm of one small hand. The tin cried. When you twist it and turn it, poor old tin screeches and screams. Do you think it remembers the deep past, before the great reboot, when great-great-great-great-grandfather was mining, coughing out his lungs and toiling in the sixty-degree heat? 
Maybe Tin remembers all them littlins pushed down underground as soon as they were old enough. Little boys like Arluth or Zenner, down there, in the dark, sweeping poisons from the flues and sharing what little oxygen they had with their candle. Both fighting to stay alight in the darkness. Merrin had been rubbing her eyes till they were as red as a ferret's. "'Tis true there, lass. That tin does cry with the sound of crystals twinning inside the metal. "'Tis also true that records show thousands of children were employed by Cornish mines every year. "'And tis true also there are a great many things we don't know about the elements and their spirits. "'Perhaps they do old memories of your great-great-great-great-grandfather.' Merrin pulled on her overalls. Can I get out now? Merrin pushed her arms against Corin's innards and the unit split soundlessly along invisible seams. Damp mist seeped into the soft inner cavities. Corin's flexible arm lowered the child down to the wet grass before retracting and folding away inside itself. Anyway, lithium from Cornwall didn't like tin. It don't have all the memories trapped inside it. It don't cry. No one wanted it back in the first dark, smoky industrial revolution before the reboot. So they let it be. There weren't no good way to extract it back then, neither. So probably it don't remember most of that bad stuff. Reliving all them nightmares like tin does. The sounds of drilling were closer now and in the sky Gweno's counter changed to one with a bang. Merrin worried for her friends, pale Gweno with hair as straight and black as slate, and Arluth, cheeky and confident, face as freckled as the mica and granite, and the others. Had they forgotten the purpose of their training? Were they really pushing on with digging without doing their research? Spirits or not, you and I ain't going to repeat the mistakes from the past. Not never. In the old days, they drilled first, asked questions later. Merrin was unsettled and took a moment to gather herself. She knelt down beside one of the rocks in the stone circle and slowly rotated her head, squinting and studying the light against the rock until a spark of light hit her eye. There, Micah. She peered at it closely. Hello, dinky mica mineral. Is a little lithium hiding in there with you? Merrin crawled about on hands and knees till she found a loose chip of granite with a prominent speck of mica winking in the light. Corin, can I put this in your belly? Please eat it and tell me the lithium content. Aye, girl, came the reply, and Merrin offered the granite to the replicator chamber at the centre of Corin's torus. The unit snatched up the rock with pincers and pulled it inside itself, grinding and heating the rock, utterly obliterating it. Yes, there are minimal traces of lithium, Merrin, but you'd need a lot of this to be a competitor. Want me to crush and roast the 19 rocks in this stone circle to get us going? No, Corin, ain't you learned nothing these last seven years? This ain't like you. Did that big flash scramble up your positrons? Patience and research before we touch the ground, Merrin snapped. Then she was lost in thought. Lithium, it's so light it skips across water and fast and tricksy like a pisky, always hiding behind other elements. 
cheeky thing, hiding in granite with micas like zinwaldite or lepidolite or in the water itself. It's got lots of friends, that lithium, but it always wants to be in a solution if it can. Merrin's face snapped into a picture of determination. Corin, search the cloud archives for records of lithium in the old tin mines. Surveys, maps, letters, articles. She looked up at the misty sky and droplets of water freshened her face. Search for records of water breaching the mines, especially hot water or warm water. I have an idea. Corin's lights flashed in Processor's word as it connected to the cloud digi-structure. Oh, clever little bird you are. Corin's white surface folded and shot out several interfaces. Bright screens which floated in the air and settled on the ground. These were records from the ancients who brought about the Great Reboot and taught machines to listen. Records of geophysical and chemical data, radiometric data, to show where Mother's blazing radioactive rocks lay sleeping. Topographical data, to trace surface expression of granite loads and fault lines. Written records of hot, lithium-rich waters breaching the old tin and copper mines. Even historical survey maps showing where hot springs had occurred underground. Corin recited. In 1864, Professor Miller of King's College, London, identified the presence of lithium in Cornish Hot Springs, lass. Waters were recorded at 50 degrees Celsius. So what's next? Merrin glanced up at her scoreboard, still without points. Come on, Corin. We need to get up high. Thank you.